Good morning. Happy Sunday, happy end of spring break, happy Sweet 16, happy Family Sunday, whatever applies to you, uh, happy that. Uh, it is a Family Sunday, which means we invite our kindergarten through fifth grade friends who are normally in Treehouse Club come join us in here. And today, they're actually driving the content uh, on a topic we're calling Kids FAQ. FAQ stands for, and that's actually, if you have a note page, kids, it's actually one of the first boxes there. It stands for something you, need to, you can fill in if you want to know what it means. Frequently asked questions. And you can ask somebody how to spell that, because I would probably misspell it if I tried. FAQ. But frequently asked questions, or to say it another way, these are questions that maybe you or others have a lot. We hear it a lot, and so we want to let you guys toss those out and do it, because our one main goal today is we want you, no matter how old or young you are, to know that it's okay to ask questions. In fact, we think it's important to ask questions. What's happening over here? Everything. Okay. I, I wasn't prepared for someone sneaking up on the stage. <clears throat> um, I probably didn't need to call attention to that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm easily distracted. Uh, also on here, there's a, there's a box. Kids, if you're taking questions, who's on the panel? They're on the panel. And let me introduce them. My name's Doug. I'm the senior pastor here at Live Oak. This is Mark. Mark is the executive pastor here at Live Oak. You see him teaching sometimes in here. He does a lot around here. Mark has been a key leader at Live Oak for a long, long time, and we're very blessed to have him. Clay, very blessed to have Clay as well, worship pastor at Live Oak. See, the first, the first service applauded when I introduced people, so they're getting a complex right now. Sorry, I'm, I could bribe them to clap for you. I don't know. And this is Tammy. Tammy has two titles. She is the director of Lawsome Live... Live Oak Student Ministry, which is 6th through 12th grade, but she also gives oversight and leadership to all of our family ministries, next-gen ministries, which is 0 to age 18. So that's Tammy Roberts. We're also all parents of kids of different ages. We're also all people that have questions as well. So what we want to do today is talk about some questions that some of you ask and talk about not just what are the answers to those questions, because it's just what we say and what we think, but we want to encourage you to find answers yourself and tell you how we approach that. So one of the things we, we just need to say right up front is, is it really okay to ask questions? Doesn't faith mean that you believe and questioning is taking you away from that? Is it okay to ask questions? And we think yes. And let me tell you why. When you look at Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what his life was like, People came to him a lot with questions, and he seemed to like it. As a matter of fact, he used those questions as a starting point of sometimes a conversation, sometimes a teaching point for a larger audience, sometimes the start of a relationship between he and that person. And so your questions might be the front door or the diving board that helps you dive in to a bigger faith, and I think our questions, even sometimes our doubts when we don't know and we feel that tension our doubt can be a springboard or a stepping stone to a stronger, bigger faith, to a big faith and a big God. And I'll be honest, there are some questions I have that I don't have answers to in my life. But I got to a point where I had enough answered that I could believe and have a big faith in a big God, even though I still have some big questions. But the thing is, some of the questions we can have answers to in a lot of different ways. So we're going to try and do that this morning. So let me tell you what I do whenever I have a question I handle it by asking three questions. What do I believe? What do I believe about the question I'm asking? What do I believe about God? 
What do I believe about the Bible? What do I believe about me and us? What do I believe about the world? What do I believe? And the second question is this. Why do I believe that? You probably have some level of belief in God, even if you say, I don't believe he exists. Well, that's a belief. Okay, so that's what you believe. You believe in God. Why do you believe that? Because mom and dad told you? Because a guy uh, on stage told you? Or because the Bible says? Figure out why you believe what you believe. And then ask yourself this question. What do I believe? Why do I believe it? And then what difference does it make in my life? If I believe that God loves me, and I do believe that, why I believe that is the Bible tells me that. I know that what we're celebrating at Easter, that if God is willing to die on the cross for my sins, how much must he love me? And how much must he love you? So that's why I believe it. The differences it makes is when I have a day where I feel like I'm not loved or cared for by God, I know that's not true. That's a feeling, not a fact. That's not a truth. You see what I'm saying? Know what you believe, know why you believe it, and know what difference it makes. That's, and then the fourth question is always, what questions do you have? And then all you, everything you believe about God, the Bible, the world, everything, will shape how you look for answers for all those other questions. So here's some of the actual questions you guys submitted today. The first question is this. And uh, I don't, it was by a, submitted by a 10-year-old. I don't think my parents believe in Jesus. What can I do? Tammy, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so my name is Tammy Roberts, and like you said, I work with students. Um, and we have students of our own living in our own home. We have a ninth grader, a seventh grader, and a five-year-old. And so um, we're navigating a lot of things with you. So those of you who are here with your children, congratulations. You've hit obstacle number one. You all got out the door together to church. Way to go. Good job. Um, yes, give yourselves a hand. You deserve it. So, um, But I do want to say that we, uh, as a parent, I understand that this, that this is hard. So those of you who are making the choice to be here, we also understand that it's a choice. Our children have to be places as soon as this is over. There have been times that they have changed in the bathroom into a jersey and ran somewhere, um, come in stage makeup to go to a rehearsal. And so there are a lot of things fighting against you as a family to even be in this building. So, um, so, there, so there is that, that some of you are having to make some very difficult choices to be here. And then there are some of you sitting in this room that you may have brought yourself because your mom and dad aren't here, or you have a parent that you don't live with, that you don't know where their faith is, or you don't know what they believe. Um, or you may be an adult child and you don't know where your parents stand. And it's a very, very tough thing to navigate. And so I want to encourage you that regardless of the age, regardless of where you are in your life, what phase in your life is, we have something so encouraging from Paul. And um, Paul was writing to his little sidekick, Timothy. We're actually going to talk about that in student ministry this week. Um, So we're kind of referring to them as Batman and Robin. And Paul is Batman and Timothy is Robin. Like he's a sidekick. But he's telling Timothy in this verse, he's saying, regardless of your age and regardless of what you've been through, you can still set an example. And so what he says is in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example in your speech, in your conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So if you are dealing, if you have people in your life that do not believe in Jesus, be a role model. Regardless of what age you are, regardless of where you are, someone is watching you. And you can do things with the way that you speak, with the way that you act, with the way that you love people. That may, and They may be like, man, I want to be like her or I want to be like him. But if you are loving and acting as Jesus did, really what they're following is Jesus. And you can be that example. It doesn't matter. If you're I told the first service that my daughter is five, she looks up to the eight-year-olds. 
because they get to go to the big room and dance and sing and do all those things. So regardless of your age, someone is watching you and someone is looking up to you. And sometimes that is your parents or adults in your life who don't believe. But if we can behave in such a way that lets people see Jesus, you will never know what experiences they might find and what they might find Jesus through what you're doing. And one of the core beliefs we have at Live Oak is that there's no age limit on the life that God can use to make a difference in somebody else. You're not too old, you're not too young, ever, that God can use you. And you don't have to have a title or a place of authority or someone say that you're in charge for you to influence. And influence isn't always from older to younger. That's how God designed it to be primary. But anybody can influence anybody. And so wherever you are, and if you're in a family where you're following Jesus but your parents aren't, what a great opportunity. Maybe he placed you there to be an example. And one of the things, whether it be them asking you a question about your faith or just how you live it out, 1 Peter 3.15, and Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, and he was very outspoken, sometimes very brash and, and kind of gruff, but eventually he, Jesus changed his life, and this is what he said is important. He said, this is what you have control of in any environment where you want to influence others toward faith. In your hearts, so as much as it depends on you, in your life, revere or worship or set apart Christ as Lord, as leader. You follow Jesus. You can't control what somebody else does, but you follow Jesus. Put him in charge of your life. And then he says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But here's the thing. Even if they don't ask you why you believe what you believe or why you have hope, they are looking at your life. And you can't have Jesus in your life and it not show up in some way. But he says this about how you give an answer. This is 1 Peter 3.15. Do that. Always be ready to give an answer. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Do this with, this is so important, gentleness and respect. Imagine if those two words just guided all of our communication. But how much more important is if you're talking about beliefs? Do that with gentleness and respect. And God used Peter and God can use you to make a difference in a lot of people's lives if you follow him with all your heart, you know what you believe and why you believe it, and you follow him with faith, trusting him, and you do that with gentleness and respect, it can make a big difference. Here's another question we get about a different family member. This is about parents. Here's another beloved family member that as a pastor, this may be the most frequent question I get, at least from kids, but it's not always from kids. Do our pets go to heaven? There are probably some people in this room that have asked me this question. I've, I've been asked this question a lot. And so I'm going to answer this the same way I told you how I handle beliefs and questions in my life. What questions do you have? Do our pets go to heaven? What do you believe? Let me tell you what I believe. I do believe pets go to heaven. Let me tell you why I believe that. It's not because I want it to be true. I do want it to be true. But that's not why I believe it. I believe it because I have belief about the Bible. I have a belief, a belief about God that I believe that, and I know some things there. So when I look to the Bible for answers, at the very beginning, I see that God created the world, the heavens and the earth, and he created every living thing in it, plants, animals, on the land, in the sky, and in the sea. And then he says his best creation were people that were created in the image of God. And I have a very good friend who got his doctorate degree, like he went a long time in school and he kept going back for more and he went to a very prestigious school in England called Oxford and he wants to write a book um, talking about this very subject because he said you cannot read the Bible and try to understand who God is if you take animals out of it. 
Because the Bible uses so much imagery of animals. Even in the beginning, what it says is that God put man in the garden to take care of and, and, and lead and rule the animals of this earth. So that's in the beginning. And in the beginning, before sin and us messing the world up enters the picture, there was a world where animals were present. And then if you look at the end, when God sets things right, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, it says there's a, there's a new heaven and a new earth that looks a lot like the first one. The Garden of Eden is restored, and animals are present. And then if you look in between, what it says is, you know, if you look at the imagery when it talks about who Jesus is, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb is the imagery we're giving. John the Baptist said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. That was an, an imagery of an animal, an animal, how they use those in worship to kind of talk about the paying for sins that set us up to understand what Jesus would do at the cross. Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. There's imagery there. And then if you look in the book of Psalms, kind of right in the middle, in Psalm 104, there's a whole psalm that talks about how God created the world that you see in Genesis 1 that takes care of and sustains animals. He created a world that provides food and water and ecosystems that takes care of land. And what's interesting is Psalm 104 isn't a song about psalm about animals, it's about people, but animals are right there in the middle of it, how God sustains and cares for them. And then for some of you, if your pet died, I probably sent you this verse, and it's Psalm 35, uh, 36, verses 5 and 6. It says, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Talking about God. Your righteousness, God, is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. Here's this psalm of worship to God that says you preserve, and that word, the Hebrew word, because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. If you translate it to English, preserve is a great word. So is redeem, so is save, so is restore, so is bring back. And animals are an innocent creature. My dog gets in the trash at times. My dog does some things. My dog does what a dog does. But you see them as this innocent creature throughout history. That's why God selected them to be part of this sacrifice system that would help us understand what Jesus would do for us. So that's why I believe pets go to heaven. But here's what I know. The Bible says what it says, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. And nowhere when I read in here does it say my dog Rocket or my dog Cammy or all the other pets I've had in life will be in heaven. But there's enough evidence that show me that animals are present there. And here's what it also shows me. It says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If you lose a pet and your heart is breaking, when you're at a moment when you're at your saddest, you can know that God is right in the middle of that. He's with you. And what breaks your heart breaks his heart. And when the Apostle Paul talks about what God wants to do with this world that's full of pain and suffering and a lot of brokenness and loss, Romans chapter, book of Romans, chapters 1 through 8, it says God wants to redeem it, to set it right. And Romans 8 ends on that. But the first place he starts with redeeming is you when Jesus lives his life in you and through you. And he renews your mind, he restores your soul, and you become a new creation. And he says, that's what he's doing with the world. Anyone have anything else? What, what about cats? <laughs> Jury's out on cats. I'm not sure. I will say animals. <laughs> the Hebrew word is for beast, animals, and the earth. But some people aren't cat people. I get that. Um, and that's why we put them on the panel. <laughs> All right. 
just for that, Clay, I'm going to give you a question here. Uh, here's, here's a tough one. Man, this is a hard, hard question. This is not just a kid question. This is an adult question, and this is what Philip Yancey calls the question that never goes away for us. It's hard to wrap our head around this. If God loves us, then why? Why do I have pain? Why do bad things happen? Why do our pets die? Why do, if God is all-powerful and Jesus can heal the blind, then why do children get cancer and die? It's a tough question. It's okay to ask this. Clay, what do you think? I think difficult question, but all of us have probably asked before in our life um, or will ask when we go through hard times and pain and suffering. And um, I think a lot of times we tend to let our circumstances and let the, the things we're going through in this life, uh, we allow that to skew our view of who God is. Um, we, based off what we're feeling, which it's probably emotional, um, maybe even physical pain, we allow to see God, we, we allow ourselves to see God differently. And, and the thing is, God's constant no matter what our circumstances are. God is always good. God is always loving. Um, he's always true. And we may not fully understand why he's allowing us to experience some things, allow us to go through some things, um, but he's still good. Uh, I, Mal, my wife and I, we have uh, two boys, and my oldest is three. And when, uh, when she was pregnant, uh, we had just some complications at the beginning and stuff that was, I just, I questioned God a lot. Uh, I, I can't say I just, I really lived by faith during this time in my, my life when we we're going through this. And um, a, a lot of times when we go through like hard things like that, we want to blame God in, instead of seeing that he is good. And so we went through this hard time and um, and prayed a ton. And, um, and, and the thing is like God knew what was ahead. Like, Griffin is here, he's with us, um, and he was good, but even even if it went the other way, God is still good, and I may not fully understand his reasons, but he's always going to be good, and I think what helps with that is uh, the story of Jesus and Lazarus. La- Lazarus was uh, a good friend of Jesus, and Jesus got word that Lazarus was, he was dying, and uh, it says in John 11 that Jesus extended his his time where he was two days more, and it doesn't explain any reason why he did that. And then finally he came and saw Lazarus' family, and they cried out to him, God, if you only came just a little bit sooner, you could have saved Lazarus. He's, he's dead now. And, um, and Jesus, what he does is he resurrects Lazarus from the dead and gives him new life. And, and it says that he did this, for his glory, for the glory of God. And so what we know is we may not fully understand God. We may not fully understand his reasons. We may have questions. We may walk away from this question and still be like, I still don't, I still don't know how to answer this. But what we do know is that God is good and God does things for his glory. God wants to use you and I for his glory and to share this goodness of who he is um, in these times. And, and I I think a good reminder for me is going through this pain and going through these questions during this time. I may not have walked by faith in that moment, but when I do go through hard times and when I will go through hard times, I'm reminded of it. And God allows that moment to be put on my mind to think, hey, trust me, know that I'm good. Know that I'm creating all these things and working all these things for good. Uh, And and he's this father, and I'm his son, 
and he loves me, and so whatever he's doing, I need to trust him and follow him. It's way easier said than done, but he's still good, and he wants to use us for his glory. Yeah, and to play off that a little bit, for me, again, what do you believe and why do you believe it? I think the Bible teaches us two really important things. One, that God is a good creator of this world that is for us. But he also teaches us that he created us with free choice. You have the ability to choose right or wrong. And the Bible shows us very early we chose wrong. We chose not to fully trust him and let him lead. We wanted to be in charge. And we've all done that. Everybody knows. Everybody who knows me in this room would know I've done wrong, right? Sometimes it's easier to spot than others. But really, if we examine our lives, you look at your life, you've done wrong as well. And that wrong, the Bible calls it sin, it separates us from God. That free choice, it's really our free choice kind of created the world we live in. There's fallout from that. When you understand and what you believe and why you believe it, there is a good creator, but there are also people who make free choices. And the, the fruit of that are some of the things we experience. When you look at what God created, the heavens and the earth, the beast of the field, God creates man. On no day in creation does it say God created cancer. That is a result of a world that said, I think I'd rather be us be in charge than you be in charge. And so the earth is decaying. It's, it's wasting away. There's not stuff in this world that God intended, but he has not turned his back on us. He's wanting to redeem that. And what we learn from Jesus, what we're going to celebrate at Easter, what we look at when we read the Gospels about the life and the account of Jesus and how he treated people, what the Bible tells us from cover to cover, is that Jesus is on the side of the one who suffers. The Psalms teach us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. So God, Jesus walked toward people that were hurting. And so when we have pain like this, we again, like when we lose a pet, like any kind of pain, Jesus is right in the middle of that. And he can use that for his, for his good purposes. The Bible, and it says what it says, it doesn't say what it doesn't say. It has a lot more to say about how we respond to pain than what causes it. It's very clear the cause is because the world is fallen and broken because of sin, because of our bad choices. That's why the world is the way it is. But it says how we should respond is looking to Jesus, following Jesus, re re repent, which means to change direction. Instead of following me, I will follow Jesus. Instead of following my feelings, I will follow my, by faith the God that I worship. It says that's how we respond to that. But what we understand is the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is on the side of the one that suffers. Anybody have anything else? Okay. Something Mark said, uh, he tagged on last time was, I really liked it too. It was um, looking at God, uh, not through your circumstances, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at your circumstances through God. Is that right? Yeah. I, th I thought that was well said. really good. Yeah, so... Thanks so, for adding that in, Mark. Basically, a lot of times we'll say, here's my circumstances, and I'm going to look at God through that. And so we get a very blurred view of who God is versus knowing who God is, his character, uh, his consistency, his great love for us, and then looking at my circumstances through that lens. And it changes our view of the world around us and how we interact with it. Which is why following our feelings can be a very dangerous thing because I feel one thing one day about something, then something else the next day. I need something that's true and consistent, which is a faith in Jesus who promised he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever's happening to me, if I look through the wisdom of who Jesus is and what he says is true, that never changes, even though my circumstances, what's happening to me is going up, down, and can be good, bad, or 
anywhere in between. The other thing is, a lot of times people will ask this question, uh, where, is, where is God when, uh, in the middle of this? Or um, where, where is God when it hurts? And the thing is, God says, he's in you. Christ in you is the hope of the world. That he said, I'm going to, through my Holy Spirit, live through the people who follow me, and they will be my hands and feet of compassion and love to a world that needs me. And so if somebody sees something bad in the world, in the news or in their life, and says, where is God? The answer is, he's in this room waiting to deploy you to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that needs compassion and love and care and people to remind them that the world is fallen, but God is for us and available to us. Does that make sense? That's a big question. Here's another big one. Mark, uh, this was submitted by a 14-year-old. If God already has a plan set, why do we need to pray and ask God for things like safety? So uh, basically, we know if you engage the scriptures, we know that God has a plan, and he's, uh, like, there's this big purpose in the world. Like, he wants to draw all people to himself and redeem the world, make heaven and earth right again, right? Someday every tear will be wiped away, right? Every knee will bow is what uh, Revelation teaches. And uh, so there is this big plan. The great thing is, is he invites us to be a part of that. And prayer is one of those ways that we can be a part of that. Uh, somebody came up after the service, this past service, and they had a great analogy. They said, you know, it's almost like you're on a road trip as a parent and your kid's in the back seat. And they say, hey, I want ice cream. Like you're driving, but you still want to talk with them. You still want their input. And you may be on that road trip and have a destination, but think, hey, it's a good time to stop for ice cream. But let's say that kid's seven years old and that same kid says, hey, can I drive? You would probably say no. And if you didn't, we need to talk after the service, okay? Right? Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And so God invites us in to participate in his great plan, his great purpose in the world. And a little bit what we were just talking about. And so uh, we know that uh, the, the story of the the centurion who goes to Jesus and says, he beseeches Jesus, he, he begs Jesus, he says, hey, heal my servant. Now, Jesus could have done that without him asking, but he asked, and Jesus does that to reveal, right, to point people to God and to his love. But we also know that Jesus himself prayed to God and got three times asked, asked for the, the cross to be taken away from him, and God didn't answer same thing with the Apostle Paul. Three times he asked God to remove the thorn in his side, which was some sort of affliction that he was suffering. And we know that God didn't remove that. And yet we know through both of those lives, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the life of Paul, that there was a greater purpose at play. And so sometimes it's a yes, sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a not yet. But God invites us in, and prayer is one of those ways that we can connect to him uh, not just for, this is a, called a prayer of petition, right? When we ask for things, we get to participate in God's great plan in the world, but we can participate in multiple ways, whether it be serving, giving, responding, whatever it is. So, And that prayer of asking for things is probably the most common way that most of us pray. God, I need this. And he invites us to do that. But that's not the only way to pray. You can pray and say, God, here is why I love you. Or God, here's the question I have. Or God, here's what I'm thankful for. Or God, here's what I'm sorry for, and I want to change direction, and I need 
your forgiveness and grace to, and, and strength to change direction, but also forgiveness. Like, there are different ways we pray. We pray. The, the main thing is prayer is really designed not to get something from God, but it's to connect with him. It's communication. And Mark said this in the first service, that it's listening as well. I want to listen to what God has to say to me. And, and then the other thing is, if, if God has a plan, then why do we pray? Because he told us to. For whatever reason, God says, I've got a plan for your life, and I'm bigger than anything. But he says, the God of the universe, think about this, who says, I've got a plan, and I can take care of everything. But he says, I invite you in to the conversation with me. Why would we say no, right? What difference does it make? God knows. And he says it makes a difference. I don't fully understand it, but I believe he told me to do it, and I believe it'll make a difference in my life. Anybody have anything else? All right, Tammy. This is an actual question from a 14-year-old. We've edited the question a bit uh, to make it uh, age-appropriate a little bit. I have have a friend making bad choices and definitely choices that don't honor God. How do I share Jesus with them, trying to stand firm, but also not coming off as judgmental? Good luck. Just joking. Just wanted to make sure y'all were awake. Just wanted to make sure. But for all of our small group leaders in the room, they get this question a lot. We talk a lot about our friends in small groups. A lot about what our friends are going through. So we have to do a lot of redirecting about how does that affect us. But this is, this is a lot. And this question actually was really, really heavy. So um, I'm going to talk to kiddos and to parents. But with kiddos, I want to go back to that same verse from Timothy. How, what you do and how you act will help you answer some of these questions. And also remember the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people. And when we have people in our life that are not doing the greatest things, and we can go back to that first question as well, sometimes it's not our friends. Sometimes it's our mom and dad. Sometimes it's our big sister. Sometimes it's our big brother. And it's tough. And it's really, really tough. But love God, love people, pray, show who you are by how you act and how you respond. They're going to watch you. They're going to watch you. And sometimes when they confide in you in those really, really heavy things, it's because they trust you. And you're probably already doing those things. You're probably already a good listener. You're probably already a good friend. You probably already treat your teachers and your parents with respect. And that's why they're coming to you. And the other thing is what we say, we tell our adults this a lot of times. It's okay to say, I don't know. That is an okay answer to tell your friends, I don't know. I don't know why you feel that way. I don't know why you don't know that God is real. But I do, and let me tell you why. Here's what I believe, and here's why. And it's okay if they don't agree with you. But I want to tell you this also. Another thing that Timothy says, that Paul tells Timothy, is wise counsel. And if you're a kiddo with a notes page, write down three or four people that you trust and their names and who they are. Because you're going to need some adults besides your parents. Your parents are number one, but you're going to need some adults in your life that you can talk to. And parents and adults who have access to kids and who have kids in your life, if they're following you, we don't know what they're going through. We don't. It's so different. What is happening in the locker room today and what was happening when you were in the locker room is not the same. It's not the same. What is happening in their classrooms is not the same. And I'm not, it's not, it's not, it is, it's a little scary, but I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you that it is ever changing. I always, the analogy that I use is you have to be as on it as the next update of the iPhone. That's as on it as you have to be because that's how fast it's changing. So if it's changing fast for you, think how fast it's changing for them in 10th grade. They don't know what to expect from day to day. So they are dealing with 
some heavy, heavy stuff. And we've been, Mark and I have been able to listen to this online summit about Generation Z, and they're an amazing group of people. An amazing, smart, wise group of people, and they are the generation coming up. But more than anything, they need connection with people. They need connection with people because the connection behind the screen is not cutting it. And so they need people in their life that will love them, that will guide them, that will direct them, that will put their arm around them and say, I'm sorry. And I don't know, but I'll help you find the answer. I'll help you work with this friend. And it's the fine line because as a mom of kids in middle school and high school and pre-K, I'm going, man, I don't want my kid hanging out with that kid. And that's when I step into prayer. And that's when I step into my circle of parents who are a phase above me, parents who have already been there, and say, man, I don't want my kid hanging out with that kid, but I need my kid to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now. How do I do this? And so as parents, kids, find people that you can trust. Parents, find people that you can trust to help, you, help your kids walk through these choices. And it's okay at the cafeteria or a sleepover or on a team to not have the answer. That's absolutely okay. But love and live like Jesus, and you might be surprised at what you can accomplish. And they're not always going to come to you and say, hey, what do you think about this choice I'm making? <laughs> But, but you feel like I need to say, tell them the truth. And the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. And if you take love out of the equation, it's just brutality. But if you take truth out of the equation, then it's just deception. It's not truth. And so both are necessary. And so, you know, the, going back to the, we recognize there's this tension that we, even what we talk about here, God calls us to go to the people who are far from him, who need him, who are making bad choices, like they need Jesus. And Jesus will probably send somebody to them. But at the same time, we send a message, which is a very important one. Be careful who you hang out with. You were created to be influenced by people. That's why God places us in families. That's why we're drawn to friendships and relationships. And so there's this tension of, okay, I'm supposed to go make a difference to people who are struggling, but also you become like the people you hang out with. There was one summer, I'm trying not to get a mental picture of this. I was a lifeguard, and, and, uh, and so uh, they, they taught us this in training. They taught us this in training that if someone's in the, in the water, it was at a lake where I was, and if I'm the dock, and if someone's in the, struggling, you don't stand over and reach down to get them out, because what'll happen? They'll pull me in. So what they say is make sure that you're, you're secure, and sometimes that means laying down and reaching out a hand and pulling or extending something, because it's easier to pull someone down than it is to pull somebody up. So I go back to 1 Peter 3.15 that we said earlier. You can't choose if they put Jesus at the center of their life, but you can choose if you put Jesus at the center of yours. As for you, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. And then always be ready to give an answer for anyone who asks the reason for the hope that you have. Know what you believe, know what you believe it, and then what difference will it make as you live it out each day? And if you're living out a life with a faith in Jesus that is wholehearted and authentic, and you're living that out, at some point, there will be a conversation, whether it's initiated by you or somebody else. Do that with gentleness and respect. But it starts with putting Jesus at the center of your lives. So in terms of, if you had a question that was asked here today, I hope we answered it. If not, the four of us will be down here afterwards. If your question wasn't up and you just want to ask a question, the four of us will be down here. That's not just for this Sunday. Anytime, we want you to know it is okay to ask us questions. Because we believe it's okay to ask questions. It can lead to a stronger faith. Talk about it as a family. Talk about it in small groups. And if someone comes to you with a question and you don't know the answer, what Tammy said is exactly right. It's okay to say, I don't know. But let's look for an answer together.
Because I've found enough things that have given me a reason for the hope that I have, that I believe in, I know what I believe and why I believe it, that I'm secure in having a big faith and a big God, and I know we can do this. And I think the great thing through this process is you may not always find all the answers to all your questions, but I guarantee you, if you are seeking Jesus, you will find him. He's not trying to keep his plan or himself hidden from you. He's trying to make himself known, and he's inviting you into a relationship. And you can be a part of helping somebody else discover what it means to be loved and in a relationship with Jesus by how you live out your life and how you handle your questions. Questions are okay. And I think one of the things that it's important, especially for teenagers and college students, God created us with a mind that develops slowly. I mean, it's there, but it's, it's like a computer. There's code always being written. The neurological pathways are always being written. And you move from being a concrete thinker, like my fourth grader, to an abstract thinker, like a 14-year-old or an 18-year-old. You start moving from concrete to abstract, and your mind develops these phases, and he designed us that way. So it means something that you believe right now, and you're very confident in. Over time, your mind takes it and turns it around and looks at it from a different perspective, and suddenly you think, I'm having doubts. I don't get it. I don't believe anymore. No, your mind is just reprocessing. And you need to relook at it and get grounded in your faith. It's not a blind faith. It is a, tra- a faith that is grounded in truth. And Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he wants to be found. And Jesus invited us, and actually this is on your note-taking page, James 1.5. How many have a brother in the room? Anyone have a brother? What would it take to convince you that your brother was the son of God? Because James was convinced that his brother, Jesus, was the son of God. He wasn't convinced initially, but eventually he was convinced My brother is the son of God. And he starts following, and he writes this letter, the book of James, to some other believers. And he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, insight, and understanding, ask God. He gives it generously to all without finding fault. If you want wisdom, that's a prayer you can pray that I promise you God will answer it. The problem is usually we don't want wisdom, we want just happiness. I want what I want. And sometimes I don't always want the truth. I just want what I want. But if you want truth, if you want Jesus, if you want wisdom to know what's the right way to live and follow him, what's next in his plan for my life, he will not hide it from you. So we're going to close by actually praying what Jesus told us to pray, or James told us to pray about. It's in James 1.5. Ask for wisdom. So let's stand together, and as we pray, just ask God to give you wisdom. Ask God to give you a big faith, and ask God to help you navigate your journey of faith of following him. Jesus, thanks that um, on our worst day or best day, you can handle it. Your love for us, your command and control and leadership of this world is so big, it's hard to understand because we live in a world that has a lot of scary things and presents a lot of questions. Thanks that you showed us that you welcome people with questions, that your desire is to lead people to truth, and you said that you are the truth. You are the way and you are the life. As we seek truth, I pray that we wouldn't get distracted by happiness or comfort or just hearing what we want to hear. We would seek wisdom and insight and understanding. But overall, we would seek you because you promised if we seek you, we will find you when we seek you with all our heart. God, for the questions we have, give us um, help in that journey of understanding what to keep searching for answers for or what just to trust you with. Surround us with people that will influence us and use us to influence others. But God, we ask for wisdom as we seek to follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The four of us will be down here in the front if any of you have any questions, and that's true anytime.
Ask us any questions you have anytime.